This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. Um, righteousness. Um, and as, as Laulu was saying earlier, it's, it's for me also, it's a topic that I really like. You know, I it makes me, you know, excited. And I would much rather be, you know, listening to someone talking about it, you know, and maybe taking notes and just, you know, thinking about what they're saying. But, um, you know, it's it's great to be here. You know, the, you know, I remember um, if, a few years ago when I, um, you know, joined some churches that pray in a certain way i used to wonder like why do people pray why do they pray like this why do they pray about these kinds of things and it's possible one or two people here are wondering that like why do we why do you why do you pray about revelation pray about wisdom your eyes are opened why not you know don't you have problems all right why not pray about um your job or pray about you know a car or a house or pray for a husband or that. Why not pray for you? you no know, tangible. Why are you always just praying for this, 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 like um, technical things, justification, righteousness, things like that. And then you know, as as I I spent more time, you know, just fellow, uh, fellowship around this, fellowshipping around these things, I realized that these these things, you know, the, the, you get to a point where you can't pray some prayers anymore because you see in a different kind of way. You see differently. You know, either you see that this prayer, God has already made this thing available. Or you see that this prayer is actually not God's perfect will. Or you see that, you know, something is just about it. And yes, we pray for things. We pray for husband, we pray for wives, but um, there's some things that help us. There's some things that are more foundational. There's some things that help us to see better and then even when if you're going to pray for some things you pray with a kind of knowledge you pray in a different way so for topics like this you know that may sound boring it's just because you've not spent enough time you know if you prefer like more like practical things oh let's pray for a house let's pray for a car you know at some point um it's going to be sustainable at some point we need to outgrow that you know as being the only singular only focus of our prayers so today we'll be talking about righteousness um and i'll start with um a verse of scripture in romans 3 this should be romans 3 i believe verse 10 let me just confirm okay yeah from verse 21 so it says but now the righteousness of god without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets Amen. It says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all that of them that believe, for there is no difference. Praise God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ, whom God has set forth to be ring through faith in his blood. Praise God. It says, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is manifested. Amen. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ, 
unto all and upon all them that believe for there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in christ jesus whom god has set forth to be a covering through faith in his blood this is a very loaded verse of scripture and we one can preach for so much for many years on this particular verse of scripture all right but what is Paul saying here, essentially? What is the summary of what he's saying? He's talking about righteousness. He's speaking about our righteousness. What does our righteousness mean? It simply means a state of being right with God. That's just the simplest way of saying it. Being right with God. Praise the Lord. You know, some people are very preoccupied with being right with certain men. You know, they don't want to offend some certain men. They say, ah, I dare not offend my friend, though. I dare not offend my supervisor or my boss or my mother-in-law, all right? So they do all they can. They work hard to be in their good books. When they're around those people, they, they comport themselves. They act, you know, properly. They bend over backwards to, to appease those people, all right? And sometimes it's because they're afraid of these people. They're afraid of them. And other times it's because maybe they feel that by they may need a favor from them in future or something all right so for example you're in, you in an interview you know you've, been, you've applied for a few months finally you got an interview they called you ah come so you go there you dress your best you put on a nice cologne you're you're smiling from ear to ear you'll think you're saint augustus or something you're just you know you're just trying to you know comport yourself you know you they don't know that at home you're a hard taskmaster talk anyhow to your wife or to your husband but then you're just trying ah you sit on the edge of your seat you're punctuating every sentence with sa ma you're, you're just acting you know like that even when you're in the waiting room before they before they've called you in you comport yourself you act because just in case the cctv is looking at you you know you're trying to be right by your interviewer you're trying to make them think well of you you're trying to be in their good books why because you want the job you want your daily bread praise god that's reasonable you know, so this is a person who is trying to be right with God, with, that, with their fellow man, trying to appease those people, trying to, you know, be be okay, be right, you know, in the, in the face of those people. But the big folly of all of this is that many people who would do things like that, they, that spend so much energy trying to be right with people, they neglect to give the same thought and attention to being right with God. Amen. You know, if you can do so much to try to please men, like men, mortal flesh, you know, how much more should you want to please or be right with God, make up the heavens and the earth? All right. You know, so David was a man who was, he was very wise to, he, he, he looked at everything and he was wise to stay in the camp of the ancient of days. That is, if I must please any being at all, let it be one that is worth it. Praise God. If you look at Psalm 118, verse 6 i have it here so you don't need to open but you can you know write the verses if you want to look at them yourself later it says the lord is on my side i will not fear what can man do to me praise the lord and man do some things to him of course he can all right by saying the fact that the lord is on his side means whatever man can do pales in comparison it's 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 really of non it's really a non-essence all right says the Lord is already on my side. He's already on my team. What can man do to him? So he's focused on the Lord. Praise God. You know, when we were little kids, you know, growing up, uh, we used to play soccer a lot, like, like downstairs. And 
I mean, us little boys, when it was time to, what the time to choose the members of your team? There are some players you want on your team. Like some people are very skillful. Like, so we would try to get those guys on our team for like you know, five against five, stuff, stuff like that. Because there are some people that once you have that guy on your team, they are very likely, they're probably going to, you're going to win the game. It's like 80%. Right, when you have very skillful players like this guy can dribble four people, like just put him on your team. So, David is saying that God is already on my team. What can man do to me, you know, or vice versa? To be more accurate, saying I'm already on God's team, you all as men don't really matter. Praise God, you know. Paul said something similar in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. He says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? All right, of course, it's a, it's a rhetorical question. You're not expecting anyone to answer. It says, if God is for us, who? Let that person stand. Let me see him. <laughs> That's like what he's saying. If God is already for us, God, this is God we are talking about. Who can be against us? Praise the Lord. The answer is no one. You can't stand. You are, you are, you are nothing. You're all right. So just um, as, as we you know, go a bit deeper, it's, it's, it behoves us to choose wisely who we try to please. You know, we must choose wisely who we want to be right by. It makes a lot of difference. Praise God. So maybe you're a lady and your boss is harassing you sexually or something. He's asking for sex. If you agree to him out of fear, you've indirectly said you fear him more than God. Because you know that that's not acceptable to God. You're trying. You're indirectly saying you're trying to be right with this boss. You don't want him to sack you. You don't want him to be offended by, with you. You know, more than being right with God. Because that should be a very easy choice, you know. But that's a mistake. God is the one, only one worthy of being feared. Here, Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, um, he says, Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God. Fear who? Only God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He says, Fear him, more like reverence him. Like he's not your is is the difference. This is not between God and man. I think most of us pretend like we know we, we can't. Our brains cannot grasp it. Our brains are not created to to grasp what God really is. We think we have an idea. Like this man does. Sorry, this being doesn't exist in time. Like he he created everything. You know, just by speaking. Like it, everything. You know, the vastly expanding universe. He created it. So this is one that is worthy to be feared. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, and it says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So we choose very wisely. This is God, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-knowing God. The one who said, let there be in Genesis 1, and there was. Let there be, and there was. Praise God. You know, man, when man wants to do something, he, he needs to, many times he needs to plan. If he wants to build a, a house, you have to get to a, go to and meet an architect, they'll draw it. Sometimes after drawing the first draft, they scrap it because it wouldn't work. Drop two drafts, three drafts. Eventually, after the draft is on, you know, on paper, they, they have to, you know, get contractors, different ones, electricians, this. All right. They have to plan very, very well before they can, before man can create. And after that, he needs to have tools, materials, he needs to have support before he can create. God just spoke and everything came to be. Praise God. Everything, all things were made by him. And without him, was not anything made that was made. That is the God we serve. The Bible says, 
in Psalm 41, he says, He is God who existed from everlasting to everlasting. That's this. It means from, from eternity past to the unending time going into the future. That is the God that we are. It says, by the word of the, of the Lord, the heavens where the heavens meet, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. Just exactly what I was saying. Job said in Job chapter 42, verse 2, he says, I know that you can do all things and that no plan of yours can be thwarted. So this is the God that we have to do. All right, just in case we need some refreshing. You know, I can go to so many, so many verses, but this is the kind, this is the caliber of God we are talking about. So wise people prioritize. They say to themselves, if God is this powerful, this massive, this all-knowing, I better prioritize being right with this, this, this one <laughs> above all else. I better prioritize being in good standing with this, this being above all else. Oh, you can be in bad, in the bad books of anyone. Your mother-in-law, your sister, your boss. <laughs> it doesn't matter, they're flesh and blood. Or make sure God is not one. Praise the Lord. You must be right with God. It must be a priority. Praise God. So having said this, how, how, how do we, how exactly do we, do we approve, how do we become right with God? It's a very good question because it shows that you have sense in your head, like, as you are thinking, you know, like, yeah, how do, how do I, people, people have wondered about this question from the beginning of time. It's a perplexing question. How can I be right with God? So um, I'll, I'll just speak about someone who asked that question in the Bible. It was Job. You know, in Job chapter 9, verse 2. So let's go into it quickly. How can I be right with God? So one day Job asked the question, Job chapter 9, verse 2, second verse. It says, how should a man be right with God? What is Job saying here? He's saying, can I ever be right with God? How can I have a relationship with such a God? So mighty, so holy, so powerful. It's like when David said in Psalm 24, verse 3, he says, Who shall ascend into the holy hill, into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? All right. You know, he's saying, How can a man be right with this kind of God? Why was Job asking this? Um, we need to understand the context first. Um, you know, we know the story of Job, all right? So Job was asking because he was trying to get and hear a hearing with God. He was trying to get some kind of audience with God. He was trying to get closure. If you remember his story, you know, he had lost everything. I'm not going to go into that. He lost all his property, his children. He just had like calamities before him. So he he lost everything. You know, he had some friends, Eliphaz and some other bunch of other people. They had been trying to comfort him, say many things. They say, Isaiah is saying, just saying things that... Job in his heart, he knew that all of these things you're saying, it's 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 not he's not it, you're just stuck in trying to comfort. But the more they spoke, the more they made Job miserable. So Job was, I mean, he's someone coming from a place of affluence. He was he was doing well, he was you know trying his best, and all of a sudden he just think about it, he just loses everything. So he's confused. So he knows that only God has the real answer to this question. All right. So Job is he's trying to get closure. Trying to ask God, I, I suspect that part, at least a small part of it may even be like a bit of like disappointment. Ah, God, ah, you know, like, how, why did this happen? Like, you know, he's trying to ask, but he knows that 
he can't approach God to be asking him questions. Why? Because he's God. Job knows he's not really worthy. Like, this is man and God. And you have to think back, you know, like about the Old Testament. They, they, God was just God. He was just there. He was There was just no relationship. All right? So he, he knows. Though he has his questions, he can't really have an audience with God. He knows he's not worthy. If you look at verse 3 of that chapter, for example, Job says, if God will contend with man, if he will take him to court, man would not be able to answer God's questions one time in a thousand. What does this mean? What is this saying? It's saying, it means there are, thou- there are thousands of uncovered sins that God can bring against any of us at any particular point in time. And we'll not be able to defend it. A thousand. You know, that's what Job was saying. He says, because this is God. You know, you want, oh, you want to be asking me questions, right? You want to be asking me questions. You, you, a human being. All right? How, how, who are you? How dare you? All right? Even if he thinks he's sinless, or maybe as you know, because he has been you know, devout, he has been trying his best, there are a multitude of sins that he doesn't know, he's not aware of. In Psalm 19, David said, who can understand his errors? You know, so there are sins of omission, sins of commission, sins that you, 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 you don't know. Who can understand his errors? Of course, the answer is that's also a rhetorical question. No one. That is, who can know all his sins? No one. That's why David prayed. He says, cleanse me, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Praise the Lord. Psalm 130 says, if thou, Lord, should mark iniquity, O Lord, who shall stand? These are all wise people. They think they know. So when Job was saying, um, if God will contend with man, if he will take him to court, man will not be able to answer God's question one time in a thousand. That's what he was talking about. You know, he, he just recognized. He says, if Lord, the Lord should mark iniquity, who shall stand? So Job knows he cannot stand before God to be asking questions. He has no footing. Praise the Lord. Let, let, if you read on, I'm not going to read every single thing. I'm just going to try to give you a global summary at the time. You know, if you read on verse 4, he notes that God is all-powerful, all full of wisdom. He's the omniscient, omnipresent God, omnipotent. He's saying you can't take God to court and be asking questions. In, in verse 4, he says, who have hardened himself against God and prospered? Again, a rhetorical question. You can't do that. Praise God. From verse 5 to 13, now it goes on to describe God as the sovereign, the invincible God, you know, he does whatever he wants. He removes mountains. He shakes the earth. He commands the sun to rise. He seals up the stars. He spreads out the heavens. It says no one can stop him or say to him, what do you, what, what do I start? He does things beyond our understanding. His ways are higher than ours. Praise the Lord. He, he does things, great things, past finding out. Yeah, and wonders without number. Later he says, behold, he taketh away and who can hinder him? So Job is thinking within himself and he's just reflecting. Praise God. So after all of this self-reflection, <laughs> it comes to three conclusions between verse 15 and 31. All right. From verse 14 to 15, he says, if I would, he now says, he says first, he says, if I would even get a hearing with God, what would I say? All right. If you read that, he says, how shall I answer him and choose out my words to reason with him? What am I going to say to God? You know, then the second thing is, second thing he said is, even if I could somehow pull it off, let's imagine, okay, I, I somehow argue that I've been devout, I'm, I'm innocent, I'm worthy. By that action, I will become guilty. He had enough sense to recognize that. 
It says, if I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I'm perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. Amen. By saying that we are perfect before, you're like, oh, you're worthy in front of the God. You've already committed blasphemy. So he had enough sense to recognize that. Thirdly, he says, even if I pretend, let's imagine, let's just act like I don't want to, I'm no longer needing, in need of closure. I don't want to have an audience with God anymore. He says, even if I pretend I'm not in distress, I don't want closure, if I smile and wash myself and change my clothes, still God would declare me a guilty sinner. You know, that's in verse 27 to 28. He says, if I say, I will forget my complaints, I will leave off my heaviness and comfort myself. I know that thou will not hold me innocent. So suddenly it dawns on Job the, how great God is. I think that's the main thing that dawned on Job here. Maybe it was coming initially with some aggression. Let me ask God. Then he just thinks about it and like, ah, God, no. You know, in verse 32, he says, he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him. And we should come together in judgment. He recognizes his place. Praise the Lord. So if we go back to Job's initial question at the beginning of this chapter, you know, how should a man be just with God? How can a man be right, right with God? Is it even possible? Should we even try? Can a man be right with such a God like that? Can a man have a right relationship with a God, a holy, infinite, mighty God like this? You know, after looking through this Job's reflection, our answer with Job is, humanly speaking, is impossible. You know, after looking at it, humanly speaking, it's not possible. There's just no way. You can't do good enough to do that. Praise God. So how do we approach this? You know, you see, many people live their lives being sure of many things. They know their heights and in inches, their weight in pounds. They know facts and figures. They know random facts of trivia. If you ask them, who is the prime minister of Argentina? They know it. What's the most common this thing in Australia? They know it. They are sure. Of, they know many formulas, equations, many definitions. Professionally, they are top-notch, competent, accomplished, eloquent. They are just, you know, there. But ask them, are you right with God? And they begin to fidget. They can't give you a convincing answer. But that's a, that's a risk. Why? Because, you know, as we read earlier, it says it is, it is a danger to fall into the hands of a living God. It's a risky state to be in. So the question is, what does it take to be righteous? How can we be right with God? It's a big question. Throughout history, men have asked the same questions. You know, that's why religion exists. Religion is simply man trying to contact and access God, trying to be right with God. You know, so man will devise many ways that they think, ah, maybe if I do this more, God will finally accept me. Maybe, maybe you know, if I, if I pray five times a day, maybe God will finally be happy with me. They're, 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 you know, they're thinking of different ways. The Buddhists, they have their 10 precepts. Oh, do this, do that. Don't uh, keep your mind clouded. Don't do this. You know, maybe, you know, this, let me, if I deny myself, if I do meditations, if I do penance, God will look down and smile. You know, so they do those things and it makes them feel okay inside. But it's, it's a false sense of security. It's deception, self-deception. Praise the Lord. Apostle Paul, before he became a Christian, before he became converted, he, was, he did the same. You know, if you look at um, Philippians chapter 3, from verse 3, it's a very popular portion of, of Scripture. It says, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh. I have more. Praise God. 
Then he goes on to say all those things I gave him from it. It says, circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. This is crazy. First of all, he had all of all of the credentials necessary. If a man can please God, this would have been Saul, who became Paul. He was he was circumcised on the eighth day, a people of the people of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, regardless of the Lord was a Pharisee. As, uh, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Oh, was Paul doing all of this? He had in his mind that he was, by, by doing all of this, he can please God eventually. He was trying to garner the favor of God. You know, so as he was killing people, killing Christians, he thought he was working for God. Like he's, he's actively working. He's waking up, ah, can I please God more? Praise God. He was the perfect example, if there's anything like that, of someone who can... If a man can be faultless, he was a man can please God, it should have been him. If a man can please God by just doing things, it would have been him. But notice something I saw in verse 3. He called himself faultless. You know, when I thought about it, I'm like, it says faultless according to the law. He didn't say it was excellent or it was exemplary. He said faultless. That's like saying perfect. You know, that's crazy when we think about this. It. like, and it opens a window into how Paul was thinking. How can a man say he is faultless before the law? You know, if you look at any of the requirements of the Torah, you know that those things were very difficult to keep. There, there are 613 laws, different laws, some for the priests, some for the normal people. You know, so many things that dictate everything that the Jews had to do. You know, detailed instruction about how to eat, when to eat, when to your kinds of clothing, your personal time, everything about them. But Paul said he he was faultless. He kept all these things. So if there was a law that says by age 20, you know, upon the 40th day of the feast, this thing must drop this amount. Paul made everything he did it. Don't work on the Sabbath. Don't do it. Don't lift the finger. He did it. He said he was faultless. Wow. He never faltered once everything to the letter according to the letter it was blameless but what did paul later say about all of the things he, did? he called it dung all the things he did all these activities he called he realized that all of it is dung praise god you know so paul was essentially like we said before, was trying to please god he thought that maybe if i perform well enough maybe god will want this he'll just clap from heaven and be like ah mr saul wow 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 ah this is my beloved general you know i'm a priest Come and sit on my in my courtyard. Maybe he was thinking like that. That God would just be impressed. Ah, see this guy. This guy's just making sense. But he was offering dung. Right? So it's like most religions, every religion, they want to know how to be right with God. So they create all these rules. The Muslims, they have five pillars of religion. You must pray five times, you must wash, you must give alms, you must, you know, notice it's always based on human efforts. You must do this, you must do that. And it's even a bit funny. I think in, in, in the Muslim religion, you can correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, but there's no real guarantee. I think it's all about you do this thing and there is a very high chance that you get to the, to the heaven, to their heaven. Something like that. Like, I don't think there's a real guarantee. So it's like, do this and there's a high probability that you would. No one would ever say, I'm sure, I'm confident I'm going to heaven. But people still continue. Maybe if they do enough, one day God will take notice and, and just you know be happy with them. But the big problem with this idea is that man 
cannot be right with God. At least not by his own deeds, as Job saw. Why? It's because the righteousness that is God's standard cannot come from a corrupt man. Maybe our fellow, our, our human acts, maybe you can fool fellow human beings, but God smells the stench from a thousand miles away. You know, that's what Isaiah 64 says. I'm sure we all know the verse when he was talking about all our righteousness as filthy rags. The best we can do will never ever meet up. So just forget it. Think of another way to please God. Don't, it's not, but don't try to do things. Just forget that one. That's why if you read the Gospels very closely, amen, amen, the thing that irritated Jesus most, that angered Jesus most, was not sin. It was not even sin. You think it's sin. Ah, that he doesn't like sin. No, it was not sin. You know, for example, when, when, he, when, he, when he... Because if a sinner acknowledges his sin, all right, and he is contrite, that's half of the problem solved already. There's no problem with that, all right? A good example is the adulterous woman that was caught in adultery. He didn't condemn her. Instead, he said, go and I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Who did he condemn? He condemned the hypocrites. All right? So it's not sin that angers Jesus the most. It's hypocrisy. It's that idea that, oh, by doing all those Pharisees, they, they, were, they, they annoyed Jesus. Because you are, you, are, you are offering filthy rags and you're so confident. You're so puffing your shoulders. You no, know, if I'm offering filthy rags, if or if I'm doing, and I know that I'm, I'm nothing, yeah, that's okay. You still have redemption, the redemption. But you're offering filthy rags, and you're confident in your filthy rags. So it angered Jesus, and it still angers him till today. Today that we're speaking about, you know, when you think, oh, it's by doing this and doing that. Why? Because we can never please God by our human efforts. Praise God, we can never attain God's standard. We can never. Paul says it well in Romans chapter three, verse ten. That would be the next thing we read quickly this was just preceding the verse we read in the beginning of like when i started speaking romans chapter 3 verse 10 it says as it is written there is none righteous no not one there's none not one there's none that understands there's none that seeks after god they are all gone out of the way they are together become unprofitable there's none that does good no, not one. <laughs> Just for emphasis. <laughs> Just in case you are thinking one will slip through under the cracks. It says, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues, they have used the seat. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, every mouth may be stopped wow <laughs> and all the world may become guilty before god this is powerful let me just continue reading therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin it says now we know that what things soever the law said it said to them that are under the law that every mouth not some mouth every single mouth may be stopped. What does this mean? That there's no bragging. Are you a human being? I don't need to ask what you've done before. You're a human being. Your mouth is stopped. In this matter, you are not righteous. You can't please God. Forget it. Every single mouth. And all the world may become guilty before God. Not a part of the world. Not a part of them that, you know, that they, go, they went to the church from the beginning. No. All of you, you're all guilty. 
for you are guilty. I don't even need to preside over this case as a judge. I've already, I've already said you are guilty. Even the one that's not born yet, are you born of a, you're going to be born of a, a human being? You are guilty. And men and brethren, this is the beauty of Christianity. You know, and that's what makes us different from other religions. Every other religion. We are not trying to please God by doing things. We are smarter than that. <laughs> we are way past that. We know that that will not work. Praise God. Man cannot, emphasis cannot, be right with God on his own terms. He can't do enough to become right with God from his own end. Ah, you can't fast enough if I give you enough arms. No. Pray five times for a million years. You'll never meet up. It's still, still smelling rags. Praise, praise God. So it can never happen. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen from God's end. A more accurate way to say this is to attain the righteousness of God. God himself will give you his own. He will impute his own to you. He will say, this righteousness, you take it out. And you say, now, he will impute it. It's going to be because of what you're doing. Praise the Lord. Let's open to Isaiah 45, verse 8. It's a very wonderful passage of scripture. Isaiah 45, verse 8. It says, Drop down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down her righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation. Let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Wow. It says, drop down ye heavens from above and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Created what? Righteousness. That's, our, that's why the righteousness, our righteousness is different. Why? Because God created it himself. It's very different from anything ever created by man. We, the best we can do can ever meet up. God created this one. That's why we sometimes call it the righteousness of God himself. It's his own righteousness. It has nothing, zilch, zero, nada, nothing to do with our deeds. We are just recipients. Praise God. You know, as we read earlier, it says that it's written, there's no righteous, Romans chapter 3 verse 10. No, not one. There's none that understands. There's none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. They all together become unprofitable. There's none that does, does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues, they have used the seeds. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the Lord says, He says to them that are under the Lord, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, but by the law is the knowledge of sin. But this is what we read earlier. I skipped, it, it, I skipped a, a, a few portions just to make it easier to read. But Paul did not stop here. And praise God, he did not stop here. Because if you read this part, Paul is saying, <laughs> we are all guilty. There's nothing you can do, not one. You know, you can, if you're reading for the first time, it can sound depress, depressing. Okay, we are guilty. Yeah, let's just wallow in sackcloth and ashes. Let's just, you know. No, but thank God it did not end there. It says, if you continue reading the passage, in verse 21, it says, but now. Praise God. Whenever you see a but, it means that there is, oh, maybe there is a path now. Oh, there's no way we can ever meet up. 
we are all guilty. You know, or maybe there's something now. Maybe there's a way now. It says, but now, wow, something profound is coming. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. What does manifest mean? It is, is revealed, is shown. So what has been hidden from time past, you have now seen something. Oh, so there's a way to be, to be as righteous as God. Ah, okay. And it's without the law, it's without deeds. Wow. But now the righteousness of God, God is man, without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Praise God. I would like to read this in the NLT. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Praise God. So when Job was asking that question, how can a man be righteous before God? This is the answer. When he, after thinking about it, that it was like it's impossible, he just needed to wait a while. This is the answer. There's a way now. That's what Paul is saying. But now, praise the Lord. So the deepest, most profound question in the human heart since the beginning of time, it now has an answer. Can a man be righteous before God? Paul has a resounding yes. Praise God. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. That is the righteousness we are talking about. Unto all and upon all. Unto who? All. Everyone is all encompassing. Not unto some. Unto all and upon all of them that believe. So what's the requirement? Just believe. Praise the Lord. It says, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All in our human capacity have sinned and come short. He says, but being justified freely by his grace, through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he may be just, and be the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Then he goes on to say, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Amen. This should be very clear. You know, so we have a new way by believing. And all can take part of it now. Praise the Lord. Then he ends by saying, Where is boasting now? It means we have nothing to boast about. Why? Because it's not about your doing anymore. You're just a recipient, like every one of us. There's nothing to brag about. There's nothing to, there's, see, there's nothing to, it was a free gift. You didn't merit it. It's not by what you did. Praise God. So we begin to pray shortly, you know, in this mind. And I want it to come from me, an explosion of gratitude to God. You know, we have nothing to boast about. It was a free gift. I'll just read the last portion of scripture because we'll continue, you know, talking about this subject for the next few weeks, you know, just so that we understand, you know, Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, um, it says, Paul, um, um, you know, it says, I'm being found in him. Now, just listen to this. It says, not having my own righteousness. Wow. Why? Because his own righteousness will not get him anywhere. You know, so for the next few minutes, uh, 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 we just, you know, pray. Uh, just, you know, thanking him for the free gifts. Thanking him for what he did that you had no merit about. Thanking him for finally giving an answer, you know, to Job's question. 
but finally you know giving you the ability to stand before god you know even though you of yourself you know do not merit it go ahead and pray <laughs>